0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Waterlad Podcast, I'm James Marshall and this episode is purely brought to you by Pure Sports CBD, the life-changing alternative to prescribed pills for pain. Head over to waterlad.com to find out how you can get 20% off that great product. But anyway, let's get into this one. We've gone from one English great to another but both with very different pathways as today's guest, he started as a Wellington Lion before becoming a hurricane, 100 game legend then he shot over to England and made an instant impression with the national side and with Wasps but most importantly he is an absolute lad it is one of the greats, Brad Shields, welcome Shieldsy. thanks for coming on mate.
1: Hey mate, no worries thanks for having me on, I've been waiting for my opportunity quietly to come on here and, um, and share some love so thanks for having me. Hey no worries,
0: yeah, Reggie actually told me that man Brad's just been hanging
1: out to get on, you need to ask him <laughs> I think he didn't get roasted enough, so he thinks that I'm going to need to get like, some sort of piss taken out of me lot, like, so.
0: Well, he's, he's been saving up some questions because he's sent in plenty.
1: <laughs> well, fingers crossed they're, um, above the belt then, eh?
0: Anyway, let's start with the sad news. I'm the director. Sold last week. Oh, how do you feel? What, what, a, what a ride that horse took us on.
1: Oh, mate, I had no clue what was going on, oh. on that horse from, day, from day one. I guess, though, I guess that Cindy, though, we got, I remember that one year, I think I was actually Nelson, um, and you shot a text around there, eh, and you're like, boys, we've got some capital to send out, and I was like, it was a couple of grand, it, from memory?
0: Yeah, we went all right, eh? <laughs> some yeah, good times, but... but yeah, it's come to an end. I'm the director sold in the US in the weekend. Can't believe you didn't know
1: that. Oh, no, I didn't get an update on my WhatsApp. So you hate animals. I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> Especially horses, jeez. But what's
0: happening in the UK? How, how's life over there? How's the family?
1: Yeah, family's good, mate. Um, It's not too bad. It's obviously uh, a little bit different to what's going on in, in New Zealand at the moment when, in terms of COVID and and lockdown. You've probably obviously spoken to another couple of guys over here. Um Kind of challenging in that sense that, I mean, we're lucky we get to go Rugby and, and play and train and, and hang out with some of the boys and, and that sort of stuff. But I guess that's as far as it goes at the moment. So family sort of uh, Charlie's still in, in preschool, which is a, a lifesaver for Lou, yeah, yeah. um, especially having a newborn. So um, yeah, that's tough. I guess not being able to see friends and uh, we've got the support of mum and dad, which is um, which has been pretty good. So apart from the obvious, things have been alright, mate. And um, ultimately, can't complain really.
0: Good stuff. And you're back on the field now, back carving up. Good to see.
1: I don't know about carving up, mate. <laughs> um yeah, like oh mate, it's been a it's been a rocky couple of years, like almost get you know it's like get 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 going and then um injury sort of hits, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I sustained something at the start of this uh firstly missing out on the final due to COVID was an absolute uh, ball buster. Mm. Um and then coming back a couple of weeks later and then busting my ankle in the first half of uh the first round was getting but there was only six weeks so the beauty of it over here and as you'd know it's a it's a freakishly long season so <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you feel like you've missed a bit and then there's a uh, mountain to, a mountain of games to go so yeah, um, right. back playing which is the main thing yeah.
0: but you've had a pretty bad run of injuries over there because your time at the hurricanes i don't ever remember you really getting injured but since you've been over there it seems like you've hardly been playing
1: yeah it's been frustrating like yeah, you're right and and i've I mean I got injured my first year pretty bad with the Canes, but I only missed the Mitre ten Cup season. Um and then from there it was a couple of weeks here and there, but nothing too serious. And then yeah, all of a sudden after my first sort of well, I first got here my first game in the second round I broke my face. Um so that put me out. And it just seemed like after that, um, Six Nations that year and then after the after I got to play in the um the autumn the autumn cup and then the six nations and yeah. then it just seemed after that world cup camp when i did my foot it's just like a it was just a chain effect which was um, unfortunate for that season but i guess every player goes through a bit of injury or or a period of time and hopefully touch wood uh, i'm I'm out the other side and i'm feeling pretty good so
0: how do you break your face like what 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 is that
1: (laughs) well uh, you probably laughed but it was the halfback he's running one way basically and you know you probably know me not the quickest reaction fastest <laughs> to uh react to a nine and he stepped back into me and basically my face was in the way of his head and just just bang my cheekbone and oh, pretty much great. um yeah crushed it so it was only five weeks to be fair but it still um can't be good your first sort of outing <laughs> before you <walk laughs> and you walk off the field after bloody 40 minutes so it's a bit annoying so
0: i was at um plates in there now
1: yeah, there's a there's two there's a titanium plate up there and down, well, down there I think. But that's apparently fine. you can play with a semi fractured face. Oh,
0: that's yeah. what Burgess and stuff did it in the league, I think. I remember. Yeah, it. yeah.
1: Well, that was the the final, the grand final, wasn't it? Yeah. And his cheek was like yeah. huge. Yeah. So after four weeks, there's as much healing going on, and then you just you're supposed to just be confident enough to shove your face at the bottom of the rug <laughs> again. But <laughs> <it> took a, <laughs> it took a bit of time. You were getting straight off that field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew straight away They're like you you concussed And I was like Nah broken my face I like, oh, <laughs> Did they ask uh, you If you want to play on n- Nah Because I think Actually I think there was, uh, there was blood and stuff So I had to go off anyway Oh yeah But then I was like There's no chance I couldn't I couldn't close my mouth Or anything like that And I was like I need to get off the field Like I'm not a Sam Burgess today. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Round two. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, let's get back to the start for a young Brad Shield. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up.
1: My, my old man was in the army, so we were posted all over New Zealand. We lived in the States uh, for a year, which was pretty cool, out in El Paso in Texas. Can't really remember a lot of it, but went to school there for a year, so did the touristy thing, I think, as the family, and, found our way back in, in Wellington in early 2000s. So from then on, been there ever since. Went to um, Humble College, Taita College. Mm-hmm. Not sure if many have heard of that place. There's only um, three legends, or three lads, I should say, that have come out. at four now, to be fair. Um, Mikey Kang, obviously, you know very well. Um, Nigel Wong played in the, the Brumbies and uh, Reds Led. and playing a bit in New Zealand. And young George Bauer can you remember George Bauer for the Crusaders crusader yeah, yeah, yeah. All, black now, so, all black yeah yeah so he went to tighter college so we've, we've got a bit of we've got a bit of backing there which has been great um but yeah obviously not a massive rugby school so i try to make all the age grade groups as i went along which was lucky enough to be a part of and found my way into somehow into the hurricane secondary schools where i just remember my the only thing i remember is throwing it in the set pass against, Aust- against, set pass against Australia. And then they nearly won the game because of that. And I was just like, that's my only memory of hurricane school in <laughs> <laughs> Just got on the field, my only 10 minutes and I threw it in a set pass and it was nearly lights out. Yeah. But uh, we still won, which was great. So yeah, and then from there, um, obviously you know how the story goes, get into academy, a couple of years in the Wellington Academy when I left school, um, managed to make the New Zealand under 20s, went to the World Cup there. Um, played a bit of minor 10 in between um, and then managed to crack a super rugby contract, which was, um, which was fantastic. And I think it was probably, I don't know, there's there's probably a bit of credit um, and probably the school that I went to Uh, obviously not a massive rugby school. So it kind of taught me early needed to probably work a little bit harder than maybe a few other people who went to um, those rugby renowned schools, not saying obviously that boys don't work hard, but yeah. quite a different path to take, I guess, if you're not going to one of the big rugby schools or boys' schools uh, in Wellington. Um, so, yeah, like, kind of taught me some really good lessons and set me up nicely for uh, for playing for Wellington and the Hurricanes, which I was very really grateful for and um, haven't turned back since. And I definitely call Wellington, Wellington home, which is um, somewhere where, who knows, we might end up back or lose, obviously, from Nelson. So we could end up back in Nelson. Worked out your ways, Who knows?
0: Down Mapua Drive. How good! <laughs> <laughs> but were you always a gifted? Were you always a gifted player coming through? And were you always a big guy? Because I remember you when you were quite young. You were just physically dominating the men at a real young age. Were you? Were you like that going all the way through?
1: I'll tell you what, I was a big pussy, like yeah. trying to tackle. I, I remember when I was younger. I was all—I don't know why, but yeah, I was always bigger, like lot taller than everybody else until everyone sort of catches up around 12 or 13. Yeah. And like, I'd score like cool tries, like get a ball off a kickoff and score a try, but I couldn't tackle (laughs) anyone to save my life. I was like, trying to touch with two hands and (laughs) my dad always uh, got stuck into me for that. Uh, But I don't know, I just sort of, I think being introduced to old um, Richard Watt, hard parts Waddy, early on in my schooling so he did all that um elite training squad from like 13 to 17 before he left school so he took us a lot of coaching for that and i think that sort of changed the way i looked at the game a little bit yeah and more of physical physical balance so yeah i don't know and then i guess i've never really had an x-factor on attack my x-factor was sort of being a bit of physicality a bit of an uncle side to me and yeah i don't know i suppose when you're young you, you kind of don't have much responsibility or much care you just kind of throw your body around it's changed a little bit now and you <laughs> feel a few creaks and stuff like that but
0: yeah oh you've still got one of the great hard part
1: <laughs> oh he's so classic eh? yeah
0: one of the greats big Waddy. so you talked about your um, work ethic and stuff what you had to do um, to make it from your school what sort of stuff were you doing at a young age
1: i think it's probably down to my old man i guess like he was in the army, so he wasn't like, he wasn't, they weren't overly strict or anything like that, but he sort of got me out doing like all these runs, not runs, but trying to just get in the mindset of, of having to train a little bit at a young age, not necessarily doing weights and stuff like that, but I also think um, they got me into as many sports as they could. Um, Not that I was terribly good at some sports, but I think it's that commitment level and all that, like trying to drive that motivation to, to get better and, um, and try your hand at anything sort of thing. And I guess that sort of points you in the right direction that when you sort of figure out something that you want to do, you know how to sort of go after it in a sense. And I knew since I was at school, um, I remember, you know, those career days when you're at school and the people come in and you sit down and take half a day to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. And it's classic. I wrote down, I wanted to be a rugby player. I was about 15 or something like that. Yeah. And the lady basically laughed and said, uh, why don't we try something else, put something else down? And I was like, nah, I want to put it down. She's like, okay, we'll leave it there for now, but let's make sure we put... So I sort of kind of knew that um, what I wanted to do, you know, I sort of had to make it there first. And knowing that obviously Tidal was not a big rugby school, I had to, once I got in the system, I had to kind of fight pretty hard to, to stay up there. And, and my, my motto, I guess, was always talent only gets you so far. You know, it's about all the hard work you put in um, behind the scenes or, or I suppose the work rate that you see and obviously everyone who plays rugby is talented to a certain extent. <laughs> it sort of stops, stops at some point and a bit of grip takes over. So I sort of pride myself
0: on that it's good advice early on in the podcast. You know, <laughs> that's powerful stuff. I didn't stuff. know if you wanted me to go that deep or not, but <laughs> well, I, just I like that. Up in my... <laughs> straight into it. Perfect. <laughs> and then you mate, you obviously worked hard enough to make the most stacked New Zealand under twenties side of all time. How was that? How was that World Cup? Yeah.
1: It was cool, mate. Like it was all, I missed I missed I trialed actually two years in a row, but I missed out the first year. I think to be fair, they kind of just get maybe a couple of guys in I think Luke Whitelock made it, and Sam Kane. Oh, yeah. So they get a few guys into trial and and see what it's like for the following year, and obviously take a couple of guys to go twice. But no, I loved it, mate. Like it's probably yeah, one of my fondest going away rugby rugby memories. Like the whole build up and being involved in like a, a, a not obviously the big World Cup, but a yeah mini World Cup, which was which was cool and first sort of big experience traveling as a young young player and. Experience a little bit of Europe, I suppose, in the in the heat, which was cool, and we managed to win it, which was, um, yeah, we had a pretty special team, and I think if you look back when you finish your career, you probably don't realise how special it was until, um, yeah, until you hang up the boots. But I've definitely been a around some pretty crazy players.
0: Yeah, well, everyone was a no name at the time, eh? But now you look back on that team, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like holy heck, everyone's cracked on.
1: Yeah, it's mental. You like even look at the um the England team that we played, you just see so many different names in there that you you didn't realise until I kind of got over here that you played against them, like Vinopolo, Marco Vinopolo, and it's just it's yeah. mental how small small the world of rugby is.
0: And then you went back to Wellington, got your foot in the door with the ITM Cup team there. How was that?
1: Yeah, it was good, mate. Um, obviously, Waddy was my was my first coach and sort of got me into the mix. I remember getting called in. Halfway through the 2010 season, so we had a lot of injuries. I don't think, I think the team was a bit sort of wavy, and I think they were battling maybe that relic. I think it was the first year that relegation came in potentially. Right. But I just remember the last game we had to win up North Harbour, and yeah, we won, so that was a hell of a night. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was like Waddy, all credit to Waddy, he got me into my first um, Wellington team and managed to get a contract off the back of that first season when you're getting your weekly. You know, you're on a week to week sort of paycheck, week to week training. So tomorrow it could be all gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, like managed to stick around and, and signed a couple of years on from there, which which was which was awesome. And I, I loved it. as I said, being a young player, being 2021, 20, you sort of just thrive and and being in a professional environment. You know. And
0: were you living with the great Reggie Goods at the time?
1: No, nah, not the first not the first couple of years. Um, he was already in the in the Lions when I. Cause I didn't really, I knew him through age group, um, playing against him and stuff and playing with him for under 18 and stuff like that. And he didn't, and under but he didn't make under 20. Sorry, mate. I know I shouldn't bring it up, Richie. Um, that faithful night that, um, you, you know, yeah, I saw some funny videos of him when he got seriously drunk after that. But anyway, um, yeah, like it wasn't the first couple of years, but we sort of hit it off, uh, same age, um, all that sort of stuff from then on and wasn't till first super rugby sort of season i remember pre-season 2000 and what a be end of 2011 um we sort of moved in together gearing up for the first super rugby season and oh, yeah. um what a place that was <laughs> <laughs>
0: you must have some good stories about that the times there
1: yeah oh, mate, i'm just glad there wasn't like a security camera inside the house or like uh any any CCTV that <laughs> Yeah, it was um a, we, yeah, it was a good time. It was good to actually live with like do that flatting experience, you know. I have sort of been at home with my parents and uh which was which is cool, saving money and stuff like that. But you've got to go through that sort of flatting with your mate's experience and being in, in the city as well, which was which was quite handy. So wow, we loved it, mate, we enjoyed it.
0: No doubt, but then obviously you made your, your training for the Hurricanes first year there. Two thousand and twelve, I think, was your first year. Um, I think Hammett—it yeah. was the year Hammett had just arrived and sort of done a little bit of a clean yeah. out. How did you find going into that environment with all those superstar players? Yeah,
1: it was cool. Like it's it obviously very daunting. Um, I kind of think the good thing about it was well, what Hammer tried to do. Obviously, was recruit a lot of guys in the same sort of year, like as myself and Reggie and Bodie and T.J. Um, try and grow that sort of younger generation I guess and you had the likes of Colsey who was who'd been on the cusp um, for a few years um, sort of leading the way for that for that young group so it made it a little bit easier but man when you're walking into the room with like Conrad Smith um, leading the charge um, at first you know it's quite daunting and then you get to know him and he's just like every other forty player, I suppose, but probably a bit more mature than all the rest of us.
0: <laughs> he's on next, actually. He's, he's oh, kind of
1: yeah. on oh nice.
0: Any um, any standout moments in your Hurricanes career that really stand out to you?
1: Well, I think yeah, I think obvious one is as we won the Super Bowl, won the Super Rugby title. That was probably like I don't know. I suppose it's because the first time the club had done it, and we'd lost the year before. But oh, man, I don't know. I just think that's probably. The biggest emotional sort of roller coaster that sort of that sort of couple of years and then winning it but like, I mean you're obviously obviously part of it. I still remember you your, your cheering it when we won was was priceless. I don't think I've heard someone get so excited, but um, <laughs> it was cool mate we had a we had a special thing at that group and and no one can ever take that away so um, I think that's definitely the the highlight.
0: What do you put 2015 down to that loss in the final what would, what would you what's your thoughts on that one?
1: I don't know, you hear lots of things, don't you? because like obviously we we were pretty confident with the team that we had, mm. um, you know, on paper, I suppose, if you look at some of those names, um it was pretty special maybe maybe we didn't quite believe that we could we could win it. I don't know, uh, maybe maybe we choked a little bit, but I definitely think if you know we didn't win it fifteen, the next day we sort of knew we were going to win it the next year, sort of thing. that's what I felt anyway, you sort of had that belief now you like I've been there before. I don't know, I don't know mate. It's um it's a tough one because the Highlanders they had that young spunk and sort of team and obviously had a couple of um couple of warriors down there pulling the strings but obviously an underdog title maybe maybe um caught us off guard a little bit maybe.
0: Did you still think even after two games after we'd been pumped by the Brumbies and lost to someone else we are <laughs> still going to win that in two oh, games? <laughs>
1: Maybe, maybe, okay, when I say the next day, I mean, when we're probably on the source, about, <laughs> no, we're going to win it next year. And then, yeah, when we get pants down 50 points in the first round, you're just going to scratch your head a little bit. But what did he say? We're, we look a bit fat and slow <laughs> or something. Yeah, or
0: yeah, something.
1: A... <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe if we didn't go through that at the start, we maybe wouldn't have won it at the end, who knows. Mm-hmm. But definitely, um, there was one game, I think, What was the game that I think we realised that we could... The Lions? Was it in Johannesburg? Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Like eh? a 50-point win over the Lions, eh? I think that was like, we're like, shit, we can actually go all the way again. You know, that was the change in the feeling, I suppose. Yeah, felt that
0: for sure. Mm. Another memory I have of you during the Super Rugby season was our trip to Sydney. We were non-players. We didn't make the squad this week. And we got to go over to Sydney with the sponsors. (laughs) <laughs> and stay at the hotel with the boys and get absolutely hammered. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? Yeah, you almost think, hey, it's almost like, um, why do you, why would you even send players on that trip? Like, you know, they're only going to go one, one way. It was cool though because I just got back from injury. I think that was one of, actually like a little bit shorter one maybe five weeks when I did my medial. But that was like the first thing, the first game that I could potentially be available was in Sydney. They oh, yeah. are like, oh, we might as well take Brad just in case someone gets injured as well. And I was just like, oh, shit, I, I don't get too steaming. And then all of a sudden <laughs> someone gets injured after have to play on the Saturday. But, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy weekend. My first weekend out in Sydney, to be fair. I've been out. Sure. No, I never really... Only been there for rugby, so I never really experienced it before.
0: I remember a few complaints the next morning from Frank C about you being loud as <laughs> walking down the corridor, knocking on doors and stuff. Knocking on Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was um Yeah. I'm actually surprised no one hit me up about that, to be fair. i was just trying to find my roommate, you know how it goes. <laughs>
0: and we got pumped that week uh week too i think so apparently
1: that's right i remember because we were sitting we were sitting up in the stands eh? yeah and i was like oh my god i hope i haven't put everyone off by like (laughs) slamming on their (laughs) (laughs) door oh good times oh good times yeah but then you were also
0: captain against the british and irish lions how was that that must have been an unreal experience
1: yeah um yeah obviously um the all-black boys were on one on another duty. So, yeah, managed to steal that off Colsey for, for the time being. It was cool, man. It was really cool. Like, it's probably one of the most common questions I get asked over here, actually, what's it like playing against the British National Lions? And obviously over here, it's the it's the pinnacle of rugby and something that every sort of Northern Hemisphere player sort of uh, aspires to be. And so I think to have a sellout at the stadium um and i think we were getting pumped there for a little bit and managed to come back and draw i think i i got injured anyway that game (laughs) not for long um managed to play most of it but yeah it was cool like the whole occasion like the setup i don't know they they obviously almost had more supporters in the stadium than we did to be fair yeah but it's really cool like you never really get to play those um be a part of those occasions very often i'd probably say like making a final. And probably playing in a game like that is something that probably only happens to a few people consistently. Um, so to get a shot at that, um, yeah, it was cool, mate. It was, I think it's just the whole build-up, you know. We were the last sort of midweek game before the, the big shootout on the weekend. So yeah. there's a lot riding on it for those guys, trying to make that last team, uh, that last weekend's team. So, yeah, mate, I oh, loved it. Like, would love to go back and do it all again.
0: Did you follow much UK rugby when you were in New Zealand before you went over?
1: It's funny, like, I, I I got asked this the other week, actually. And for some reason, there was a monthly pass on a rugby channel. Like, oh, I don't yeah. know why. I don't think my mum realised she was paying for it, to be fair. <laughs> um, but there was one, it was the Wasps for the team that seemed to come up every time I put it on. Oh, okay. So, like, and because they were black and yellow, maybe it was just something that I just kept watching and be like, oh, that would be, I'd say that would be my team if, if I wasn't playing here or something like that. And it's just weird how it sort of turned out this way. But I mean I'd I'd only really follow what it was on, on social media, on the news and stuff like that. When you hear about the Six Nations, if there was a game on the rugby channel, you'd you'd give it a watch and but I wouldn't say like I was an avid follower of the of the premiership or anything like that until I until I sort of knew that I was gonna be coming out and, and playing in it.
0: Yeah. And you also had a you had a time with the All Blacks in the training camp, was that right? How was that?
1: Yeah, that was it was cool, mate. It was early on, like again, young Spunker didn't really didn't really know what was going on, sort of hadn't really been starting too much for the Canes. I think I must have had a couple of, you know, impacts off the bench Um, get called into a training squad. And yeah, I think I was there for probably the whole time was a couple of weeks. If you added it up, maybe three weeks, um, obviously never got close to playing. But um, yeah, was, I guess it was my first real experience of that, that next level and what it takes to sort of be an international rugby player. Which was cool. Which did, was good for me.
0: Did you get much feedback throughout your career on how close you were to the All Blacks? Obviously, everyone at the Canes was sort of every year expecting you to your name to come out sooner or later, but just never really came.
1: Tari because you you sort of like as a coach, I suppose you there's lot maybe lots of coaches that see the one thing you do quite you do badly or poorly, um, and then other players maybe they see that and someone's doing a good thing. So there's always a perception of of how you play. Yeah. Uh, Mine was always, I was just sitting out of that 90% um, tackle completion sort of thing like I was always at 88 or 89% and I think to take that next level they wanted me up around like 93 or 94% so a few missed tackles um, must have hurt me in the end. Um,
0: (laughs) One tackle in every 100, (laughs) jeez.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but I mean there there was some consistent feedback and I don't know, I guess you've got to fit into the way the team wants to play and um, maybe there was a there was a couple of couple of things in my attacking game that I said before maybe wasn't as X factor that I had. And you know what the all blacks are like, they um they're big on the way they attack the game and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, maybe I just didn't fit into the into the regime which was um which was okay. Like you kind of you you get a bit gutted but then at the end of the day I've had another massive opportunity and another door was opened and I'm 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 better off for it now. So
0: yeah, talk to me about the move. Did they promise you anything going forward? Because you obviously went straight into the English side before you played for the WAF. So was there anything sort of guaranteed when you when you decided to make that move? No, nah,
1: nah, it was all sort of opportunistic quite quite, quite fine. Like, I mean, I obviously knew I had, my parents were born over here, um, went to New Zealand when they uh, were quite young. So I had English heritage and get my hands on a passport. You, you got a passport too, didn't you?
0: No, oh, but yeah, I played for New Zealand 7, so that stuffed me.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's right. But Jimmy Goffet, I think, played for New Zealand A or something like that, one one game. And that stuffed him for any international one. Pretty crazy. Pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, so I knew I had the English heritage and I said, Look, what, what do you think the chances would be? You know, I'm keen to sort of explore what's what's up there and, and, and see if we can get a good gig and and try and I've got I was still twenty six, so uh, when we started looking so I was like, man, I just wanna i give it another crack and, and see how we get on and basically evolved from there and got a got a couple of offers which was which was cool. One of them obviously being Wasp. And then my agent just said, Oh look, we'll have a conversation with Eddie and see if he wants to have a chat and, and what he wants to see and, and all that sort of stuff. And to be fair, he um when it, when I talked to him he he didn't give me anything really he said if you play well we'll look at you basically and he didn't want to give me any hints on what club to go to or what club would help me or anything like that he just said if you play well we'll look at you so he's pretty straight up yeah. um and that was as far as i got really that was it and i remember once it all happened i remember going into the super rugby season i knew i was on my way so i was just trying to play good rugby for super because i knew they'd be looking at any sort of thing and I remember it was the Blues, and the, the night of the game, he just texted me, and uh, Eddie texted me, and he said, I think, I think we've got it through. Um, There's been a little bit of dialogue, but I didn't really know. I didn't know what team that was for. I thought once we get over there, and then uh, my name got announced in that summer tour to um, South Africa, and I was like, what the? <laughs> <That's
0: right.
1: laughs> to get chucked into that, like, straight away was was crazy, and um, I wasn't expecting it. Um Sort of just, just all happened, and I remember sitting in my room, waiting. Obviously, playing the blues the next day, and someone started banging. Bama actually, started banging on my door, um, and he came running in and informed me. Um, I sort of guessed what he was doing because I had been watching myself, but uh, yeah, and and it was, it was a shock, mate. It was a big surprise. I didn't think. I thought I'd have to go up there and obviously bide my time and and uh, dig a few trenches and work hard to. To get in there, but managed to get an opportunity early, which was which some people obviously uh, disagreed with, and it was you know a bit of a funny time in that sort of sense. But I mean, I didn't pick myself, so <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. pretty stoked.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how how yeah. were the fans in the media? I know um, they're all pretty opinionated over there. So was it pretty brutal mm. towards you? Well,
1: may not. I mean, not that I really saw. Like I saw a couple of um, blogs, I or, or newspaper columns that a couple of old ex players had written about. Um, you know ruining the integrity of the game sort of thing or or, or all that sort of stuff but I didn't actually buy into it too much and I didn't actually download any social media from the Northern Hemisphere or any like newspapers or you know like the Guardian app or whatever so I didn't actually know what was going I couldn't actually see it which was which was helpful there's just a couple of articles in in New Zealand um, but mate I didn't really care to be honest I had some real good support from my family and, and Lou and the kids and well wasn't actually it was charlie just then so (laughs) um yeah so that was all that mattered for me and like all you boys all the canes boys and that were all supportive so it didn't really matter what anyone else thought and i just thought it was another opportunity for me to to try and crack it into international rugby so that's what i wanted to do that's been my goal ever since i started playing rugby you know to play at the pinnacle and managed to get there which was which was amazing
0: and then how were the english Lads, when you rocked up into that environment, were they all sweet, or was it was it
1: quite awkward? for Nah, you? That, for Kuwait, <laughs> nah like it, it was cool, mate. Like that was my biggest fear, um, and it was to be fair, it was the longest plane ride. Um, usually, South Africa, you fall asleep. You know it's like: wake up, take a sleeping tablet, wake up, and you're there, basically. But mate, it was um, it was a long flight because was probably my biggest worry was being accepted into the group. Yeah, but I mean, if if anyone had any you know reservations with me being there. Definitely didn't show, and most well, all of the boys were, were very welcoming, and and it was probably easy because Jason Woodward was there as well. Oh, so sure. um, obviously, obviously go back quite a while him, going back to young rugby, young Nipper rugby, and yeah, that made it a little bit easier. But everyone was so welcoming. Like as, as far as I knew, that they were they were happy for me to be there, and um, that was a massive weight off my shoulders, and I could just sort of crack on and and try and do my best to play and. For some reason, um, managed to get picked in the first game. But so only been there a few days, and then he put me on the bench for the first game, which was which was absolutely mental. But it all happened so fast; I didn't really get a chance to to sort of soak it all in initially.
0: So, how how were the nerves before that game? You obviously knew the national anthem and stuff pretty well.
1: Definitely, my, it's funny. Yeah, everyone asked me that, and everyone's expecting like a yeah. I did my um, I don't know my research and learnt <laughs> and stuff, but it's actually my because my grandparents um when they moved over they're still very english so they sort of my my grandma would sing the national anthem every now and then like just the start of it or you know bits and bobs of it so i sort of picked it up from there and i knew the gist of it i knew you know the crux of the anthem yeah it was probably just a couple of words that you just don't want to be like <laughs> yeah great like sort of thing so um but yeah definitely when i sang it mate it um yeah, definitely hummed out there. Don't worry about that. It sounded great.
0: <laughs> I, I bet. What a voice. <laughs> <laughs> but the debut itself, how was it? How was it out on the field?
1: No, sorry. Yeah, it was good, mate. It was, well, we played Johannesburg. So, I mean, it's a pretty hostile environment. There. It's super rugby, let alone an international game. So, it was mental. Um, Lucky enough, I got to play there before a few times. So, I sort of knew what to expect in terms of the lungs burning and, tongue going dry and all that sort of stuff, wanting to crumble to your knees after 30 seconds. But um, it was, and, and the thing was, they, we trained in Durban. So we trained in Durban and then flew to or drove to Johannesburg. I can't quite remember. So we were only in Johannesburg for a day right. before we played. So I was like, oh, shit, this might be quite yeah. hard, but it worked out all right. It was cool, mate. I, I wasn't expecting to go on as early as I did. Um, I got subbed on in five minutes to go in the first half. Um, so that was quite strange but yeah the first I think my first action was they, they went for a penalty and I think it was Pollard hit the post out of all places it came straight to me and as I was running back to catch it I tripped over fell over and the <laughs> ball bounced I'd lie on the ground and the ball bounced behind me and lucky we picked it up I was like sweet my first action in an international and I fall over on the ground <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was cool mate like I got my hands on the ball a couple of times got run over by it, it's the best um, and it went that quickly like it was mental and, and by the time you know I was in I was in the change rooms receiving my, my cap for my first game which was which was pretty special and yeah mate it was, it was a crazy sort of whirlwind few weeks for me at the end of the tour I got bloody food poisoning which was great I missed the last game because of that oh did you how'd <laughs> yeah. you get that yeah, no, nah, I went and caught up my parents, they came over the second week um, and I think I went to, it was a, it was a, it was a legit food court, like it was a really nice area um, we'd been out and ate with a couple of the lads, got some sushi and stuff but I ordered like a chicken schnitzel sandwich and I think that that absolutely destroyed me, like I was in bed for a week from like Tuesday sure. to the game and it was mental I've never been that sick in my life, I lost about 8 kilos um, in a few days and that sort of because I started the second game, I started the second test, which was which was really cool. I think I played 80 minutes, actually, from memory, and then that sort of hit me. I was, I was kind of finding my groove a little bit and then got absolutely turned over by this food poisoning, which which broke me, not, not just physically, but sort of mentally through a spanner because I was starting to earn probably a little bit of trust within the group and that, and and then just to disappear like that. I uh, couldn't fly with the team or anything because I was that crook. had to sort of make my own way around, and it was... Um, it was pretty depressing, but at the same time, like, I was still pretty grateful that I still managed to get two cats and have a bit of an influence on the group, which was cool.
0: But you obviously got another chance again because I remember you playing against mm-hmm. the mighty black jersey. How was that one?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was special, mate. Um, I think it's, it's it's more special because I was playing against a few mates as well, a few really good mates like Colsey, Bodie, Tej. I think Geordie was there not playing. Fire was there not playing. I think Nani might have been over there. But, yeah, it was cool, mate. Like... Um, Think of the build up that sort of for some, obviously because I was had been in New Zealand, played in New Zealand. Um, I was the for, sort of the focal point or the or the center point for the media, yeah. for that week. Um, and it was basically one interview after another asking, you know, what's it like playing against your old teammates and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know, I managed to get a start, and it's cool, mate. Like, I, I don't know, it was to run out Twickenham, you know, 80,000 people. All Blacks England's probably one of the biggest rivalries um, in world rugby. I mean, arguably one of the biggest rivalries. So to be a part of that to start, um, classic English weather, it was raining. So it was a, it was a sort of physical battle and um, Ardy was there as well. I remember, remember playing Ardy. Like it was cool, like it was real cool. And it's sort of like, I don't know, if I, if I had to stop playing rugby after that game, if I couldn't play any anymore, then I'd, I'd be pretty satisfied that I ticked a few cool boxes and, yeah. um, you know, managed to get, play that game, managed to play most of that game anyway, um, which was cool.
0: How was facing the Haka? That's a question you've probably had heaps, but yeah, interesting to hear. Like, what, What's it actually like facing that Haka?
1: Well, firstly, it looked like everyone was staring at me. <laughs> they <laughs> so, were. <laughs> I don't know if so they like yeah, I think Colby, like got in there and was like, all right, man. Everybody look at Shields. Everyone look at Shieldz. That's what it felt like. I knew he was definitely looking at me. Like like, he might as well just been in my face. Um, I don't know. It's 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 probably obviously it's more familiar with me because during school and New Zealand under twenties, like you do a haka, like it's yeah. But to face it, I've never a did an all black haka. Never faced an all black haka. I've only done it for school. And on the pace. um, and on the pace, yeah, obviously, that's the, the first thing that comes out when everyone has a few jars. Is, is like, okay. Oh man, you're just reminding me. I actually did one, um, they did, a, they did a quiz, um, a wasp quiz, and there was all the sponsors and stuff, yeah, and they. I didn't want to do it, but then they just kept going and going and going. So I just did a start of it and I was like, that's enough. Um, You can't have to. I I know, but it felt as soon as I started, because I was obviously steaming as well. um, I started it, and as soon as I started, I was like, what am I doing? So quickly, just sort of, oh, died off, and then just went and sat back down. (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, good it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. Um, wasn't the right crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, facing it like it's, it's a little bit daunting, eh? Like, I can see why. I can see why it's used in a powerful way, like to set the scene. And um, yeah, I mean, I embraced. it I definitely embraced it because um, you know it was, it was definitely part of my life growing up. So to face, you know, one of the supposed to be one of the fears huckers in, in the world or, or, or sort of start of a rugby game everyone knows what the is to face that finally and the all blacks was um it was almost invigorating in a way you know yeah.
0: were you did you have any involvement in the change of setup in the world cup or like was that ever talked about what what happened with the whole what was it triangle
1: I, d- I think that was i don't know i wasn't obviously i I'd left before i got injured before I, I made it that far
0: did they talk about plans of facing the hucker while you were there or not really
1: Nah, yeah. I, I thought that was gonna, I thought they were gonna ask like, um, what do you think we should do? Or oh, what's yeah. your experience or all that? But I guess um maybe they didn't want me to worry about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what would you have said? I was in, do a haka back. <laughs> 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 uh, nah, um, I don't know. I remember when we played New Zealand Barbars and the Māoris did a haka and we sort of formed like I uh, I don't know, just like a group in the middle and sort of, got, some guys went on their knee and some guys spit up. But I don't know. I guess it was just the standard thing to line up against it. And yeah. and, and no one really did anything different until or until that game. I mean, you see, was it the French team that sort of walked towards them? There was one team that turned their backs yeah, yeah, yeah. um on the haka. But I think that they, yeah, they didn't say anything to me, which I was quite surprised about because in South Africa on the first tour, a few of the coaches were asking like, you know what do you guys how do you guys prep playing because we'd obviously been there a few times. Yeah. So I thought I was waiting for it to oh, come. I wasn't going to go and ask. You know we should do this yeah. because to be honest with you I wouldn't really know. <laughs> I'd probably say line up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Try to expect something like special from me or something like that. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and then let's move forward to the Rugby World Cup. Obviously you were in the squad, um, ready training hard for the Rugby World Cup. Talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, it was. um it was a mental couple of weeks, like it was hard, it was tough, tough training, it was obviously hot, right in the middle of it. it's funny how English everyone would say like an English summer, you know, like, Oh, it must not be that great, but it's so hot yeah. in the summer. And you know, they were like trying to acclimatise. so after you do a big sweaty session you'd be sitting in a spa pool trying to keep your like body temperature hot or something like that. So is that better? Yeah. All that. all that sort of stuff. Um but yeah, it was mental, it was hard and obviously been a part of that for a few weeks. And then we went to Treviso for our first proper training camp, like obviously really hot there as well. So we went there and, and on day one, day two, it might have been, I um, I had been having a bit of trouble with my foot, my plantar fascia, and I was getting through trainings. like it was pretty sore before training, not during, and then, and then after be pretty sore. No one didn't really think much of it, sort of cracked on, got a bit of treatment in there. And then one day I just went to take off, like didn't even do anything outrageous and up this like a like a ping in my foot and scanned it that that afternoon in Italy which is um pretty hard to do if you don't really speak yeah. Italian um but yeah found out that there was a little tear in the plantar fascia like I couldn't really walk for a for a good couple of weeks it was, it was a real weird injury so he sort of said put me on standby um it only took six weeks to recover so that was kind of kind of good and and just as I was coming back and played a couple of games um they were in their last training camp before they they head over uh, to Japan. So went went back in with the with the non traveling guys and, and did a couple of sessions just in case someone got injured. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't to be and then I think it was my first first proper game back in, in the Euro- European um it was the Challenge Cup. And it was freezing in, in Edinburgh in my first proper game back and the first I came off the bench and again like one of the first actions in the game i I went to take off and it just snapped again and this time it tore completely so um it's actually better that it torn completely so now they look back i wish the first time i did it it tore completely so it would never frustrate me again but yeah that was my sort of um my world cup dream sort of um put on hold uh, for the time being and whether i would have made made the cut or not i'm not too sure but i definitely didn't give myself the best opportunity
0: yeah, what, what's your gut say? Do you reckon you would have made it?
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know because I, it's hard because it, he kind of rang me up um, when I was just about to start playing again when they named their, their initial squad. And when he rang me up, he told me that he was going to take somebody else um, because he could play seven, six and eight. Yeah. So part of me sort of thinks... Um, That maybe they might have taken him, but then part of me is like, "Well, I didn't even get to train and and you know prove myself for those for those sort of few weeks." So I'm not sure, mate. I don't know. I would love to say yes, and I'd love to say I would have been part of that group, but I guess I'm never going to really know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Unfortunately,
1: (laughs) but how was that? How was that to
0: deal with mentally? It must have been pretty tough to have your dream taken away from you like that.
1: Yeah, it was. I guess um, I bottled it, mate. Like I didn't really face it because. As soon as I got injured, he said, get fit and and um, and um basically stay ready. So that was my next focus. So I just went straight back onto training as hard as I could to stay fit while I couldn't run. Um, sort of pushing myself, probably ended up pushing myself a bit too hard. That's probably why I for um, my foot again. But yeah, I, I sort of bottled it up and didn't really face it. And then once I did it the second time, that's when I think all the emotion from missing out and sort of having that hope stashed a little bit. Um, sort of hit me and I remember sitting in the Edinburgh change rooms, and I was like, I was bawling my eyes out and it was only a, I only played five minutes but I think the fact that I got injured again and then everything over the last sort of couple of months had, um, had sort of hit home. I was like, far out, this sucks, you know. And um, It was real tough, real tough uh, sort of period for me and it was the first sort of big hurdle that I'd faced in terms of disappointment, setbacks and like you say, eventually that whole Hurricanes career basically was up without a scratch so to speak but you know it's all sort of catching up on me unfortunately and um it was a tough time but I managed to battle my way through it and and probably suppressed it a bit too much as that I should have and um yeah it was I mean it was it was what it was and now I'm definitely better for it for uh recognizing that I needed to sort of face those sort of things and, and make me a better player on, on the other side bit of uh bit of resilience I suppose
0: yeah, so how did you get through that? Obviously, you're you're a big part of the uh, mental health movement over in the UK, you're doing a bit of work with Loose Heads, and you're a big part of the whole Tackle the Stigma um, side effect on social media, so what, what did you do? How did you get through that?
1: Um, well, it's, it took me a while, as I say, to figure it out that there was actually something wrong, and yep. um, I wouldn't say, obviously, the thing I always say is, you know, it doesn't matter how big you think your problem is, it's still your problem, and it's still going to affect you in some way, and... I guess i didn't think mine was worth worrying about and it wasn't until um lou actually hit me up and she was like you need to go and talk to someone you're getting like you're getting real pissy easily like you're pretty absent when you get home you're on your phone a lot all that sort of stuff so it sort of all built up into this sort of i don't know when you say bottle it and and someone had slowly started unscrewing the cap so i I got in contact with the team doctor And they sort of set me up with uh, part of the RPA here as they pay for some, what would you call it? Some assessments and stuff like that with like a a sports psych and just to unload basically. So that was, that was part of the RPA service that they had. Um, So I talked to a a, a guy a few times and put some real good, um, you know, I don't know, some real goals in place that sort of put me on the right track again, gave me some motivation and gave me some perspective, I suppose, on certain things. And one thing led to another and, That's when I sort of said, well, maybe I just need to freshen up and um, change something. And that's when I wanted to shave my beard off. And that was kind of going to be like a a point where I was like, okay, once this goes, like this is sort of not a fresh start because I don't want to start fresh. I still wanted to carry a little bit of that hurt just to motivate me. But yeah, you know what I mean? So that's when I contacted Loose Heads and said, I'm keen to do this for charity and, and sort of went from there.
0: Oh, you're doing some good stuff. Would you recommend that to any players going through tough times? Would you Would you recommend getting in touch with someone and having a chat, sit down like
1: that? 100%, mate, 100%. And like I say, I didn't realise it, but even just, like you say, sitting down and opening up to somebody you trust, just venting or um, you know, having a conversation, uh, it definitely changes the way you think about it and it can release a whole lot of weight off your shoulders and and can turn into a positive conversation so I think that was that was and it doesn't matter who it is really like could be your mum, dad, brother, yeah. best friend you know for me it was Lou it was um this guy that I had been speaking about was my parents so just I guess yeah just opening up and sometimes that's the that's the key that's that's what gets it started rather than just keeping everything tied to your chest. Mm-hmm.
0: You're a good man. How did you find going into the WAFs setup? obviously we mentioned it a little bit earlier but what was it like going into that team, how have you found the UK Premiership?
1: Uh, it's tough mate, it's a tough old competition, uh, there's some big boys over here, it's physical, um, the weather's average sometimes so it changes the way, it's more forward orientated I suppose when the weather changes. Um, you must have got freezing out the back there <laughs> when you were playing, mind you, you played a bit at 10 didn't you? <laughs> Oh, you're
0: catching um, box kicks all the time. You're keeping warm, Jesus. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was cool, mate. The, the best, the best part about it was being, um, you know, being on that summer tour for England. I would met um, Joe Launchbury, you know, Dan Robson, and at the time, Elliot Daly and Nathan Hughes were at Wasps, so there was a few guys there that I sort of already knew before I came into the environment. So it yeah. made it a bit more, a bit more seamless. I got in contact with Jimmy Gopps before we came over um Lou sort of got in top contact with his partner, uh, Sarah. And, yeah, it was it was cool, mate. It's different, obviously, going to another team. You, I spent so much time in Wellington and, and so much time in one team with the same guys that to meet a whole lot of new guys again, is, it is quite daunting. But at the same time, like, I sort of got there and there wasn't much time to think. It was sort of just get there and a couple of weeks of training and, and you're playing. So, um yeah, I had to fit in pretty quickly and, and learn learn the ropes pretty quickly. But the guys are good again, and uh, made made the transition easy, and still here. So, um, they, you know, the club's the club's good at the moment. Yeah, we've got a good good thing going on.
0: Would you say you you suit um the UK style of rugby more, or the Super Rugby style of rugby
1: more? Um, I definitely adapted the way that I play a little bit. I suppose and talking to that. Terms of physicality, like set piece domination and all that sort of stuff, like it certainly change your perspective on the game a little bit. I certainly think the game is changing up here, though, the way we play, and you can see it in the international yeah. stage and all that. It's um, certainly changing a little bit. There's a couple of teams, like Bristol. I know they they they're, they're, they're different with Land, They're definitely a team that tries to throw the ball around a lot, come up with all these freakish sort of moves and that. So I think everyone's evolving in that sense, and I, I, I still I still don't think the the hard nose physicality set piece will ever, ever northern rugby. That's just the way they like playing and um you know, it works for them at times too. So I guess for me it was just about adapting. But yeah, I don't know.
0: So what are your what are your plans next? Yeah. How many more years have you got with the Wasps and what's the what's the goal after?
1: Yeah, so um with COVID, um, obviously hitting us over here, there's some pretty bleak times in terms of certain contracting um you know, cuts and all that sort of stuff that, that most of the most of the players were feeling in, in all the clubs. So um, for us, it was about security. So we signed a, a semi-long-term deal over here just to just to make sure that we were set just in case something um, something was to happen. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how the next sort of couple of seasons go. And um, obviously, we're enjoying it here, bar this being locked in, uh, not being able to do much. So we're hoping things are going to get back to normal. Um, but who knows? I mean... Uh, we've we've enjoyed our time. We've still got a lot of travelling to do. We've still got a couple of like wasps heading in, in a really good direction. We obviously lost the final in the pouring rain last year, but you know, there's still some unfinished business that I think we we're definitely getting to with the, with the squad and um be good to be a part of something special here. Just like sort of reminds me of just like at the canes. So um yeah, bit of work to do. I mean, who knows where I end up. I'd love to go and play in Japan at some stage, but that might be sort of the last the last calling card and um, before before Lou wants to go back and see her family and and she wants a bit of control of her life back. So I say once I'm done rugby, that's it. You can do what you can. You can take us wherever you need to. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: still got a few years up my sleeve. Hopefully though, not thirty just yet. Are
0: you still not even thirty?
1: Nah, April mate, next month. Oh, <laughs> so <wow>. pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: plenty of years left. Speaking like
1: I'm retiring next year. Eh? <laughs>
0: you got another six years. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. so what what's your plans after rugby have you got any plans
1: um i don't have a lot planned just yet but um it's interesting timing wise um at the moment we're trying to meet and one of the guys josh bassett from the wasps uh, looking into the vodka soda pre-mix type scene so sure. we're trying to create like a drink that's enjoyable refreshing and um you can enjoy anywhere basically uh, trying to get into like festivals and stuff like that it's, it's easy though i suppose because rugby as you'd know the connections are sort of unlimited and seems like one person you talk to knows another person who knows another person so that's been very helpful so hopefully fingers crossed we have something um in the next couple of months to share with everybody and um who knows might get brought out who who knows
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what's the process (laughs) to setting that up how do you how do you even go about that
1: um so we weren't really too sure to be fair but like I said, there's there's a couple of guys in our team who know um someone who's done like a beer in a can. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Um so we just asked a couple of people and sort of did a little bit of research ourselves, but honestly, like there's there's one guy there's a Wasp Legends group basically, a WhatsApp with about like two hundred people on it. And the head guy put a message out to that and I had about fifteen people come back to me. So I've got a mate who works in this industry. Um, I've got a person who works at a canning plant. So it's almost like just knowing where to start, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you've got to find out, I don't know, how much, what you want to make, how much, and then you just go through the process of canning it and distribution, I suppose. We're still learning. Like we're, The
0: that's hardest part probably going
1: to be design and design and marketing, which is what we're struggling with at the moment, but that's why you kind of get people who know what they're doing around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you come up with a flavor or have, have you gone about that process? Do you sample it or? So,
1: yeah, so we've obviously tried a lot of drinks um, around and there's hey. a couple that we, yeah, <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> um, that's the, the best thing about doing research into this industry is that you need to try <laughs> vodka. So, um, now we've got a couple of ideas about where we're going. We're just trying to finalise that with a few samples at the moment. But yeah, it's looking, looking pretty promising and there's, there's probably about five or six different flavours that we need to sort of cut down to about one, two or three um, because if you try and go a, it's a of market already obviously so if you go too big and waste a whole lot of money and get nowhere you're, you're up shit's creek so um yeah we've got a couple but we've gone through a process now where they'll some people will make a flavor send it to us we'll try it if we like it chuck it in a can and send it send it around the uk hopefully
0: that's cool eh? would you what's the name of it
1: I'd have to send you an NDA. What's that? Non non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that we just found out about too, by the way. So we're telling everyone about this idea. Oh yeah. Um. because well, I think it's just in terms of um what's going on at the moment. So hopefully our story can can fit in with the times and and play on that a little bit. So. Cool. We've, we've got a couple. We've got a couple of names. I'll tell you off here, though. It might be a uh, might be a bit too much to share. Someone <laughs> might snap it up quickly. <laughs>
0: Would you look to bring it to New Zealand
1: if it goes good? Um, I don't know. I, I guess we sort of, obviously, Powell's over there. So we, we really like what they're doing, um, Jay Reeve and those sort of guys. Um, and then Long Whites have got a got a brand there. So I think it's pretty, they're pretty sussed in the market. But, I mean, geez, if, if there was a little opening there and, and we did well up here, then who knows? Maybe we, we might try it, but it might be just too much admin, you know?
0: Or you'll you'll have... Endless publicity through Waterland podcast.
1: May I have to send you a couple of crates then, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we can we can talk off here about pricing and promotion and all that. <laughs> oh, sounds
0: good. What a journey, though. What a lad. But as always, yeah. we've gone to our Instagram for some questions, and Brad Shields has come up with so many. Most are from Reggie Goods, but you've got about thirty questions here, so we'll we'll get through a few. First question. Did you rate yourself good enough to make the all blacks? And he has to be honest.
1: I don't know. I think um I think twenty fifteen, sixteen, I reckon I was playing some of my best some of my best, most consistent rugby, and if I look back now, it's probably the best opportunity I would have had. So I definitely thought I'd not done enough, but I thought I'd be in the mix, sort of thing, or or done done enough to sort of get get a look in anyway. But so I don't humble. Know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so humble.
1: Eh? <laughs> Yeah, i you know, I'm not, I'm not, hey. no way. No. Well, Bordie told me I should have been. So <laughs> <laughs> Bordie
0: he knows he's a smart man. Okay, Boy, yeah. biggest regret in rugby?
1: Jeez, that's a tough question. Um, my biggest regret so far, and it's funny, I was talking to Lou about this the other day, and it doesn't really seem like a big deal, but um, I sort of got caught up in the emotion of international rugby. Um, I didn't manage to swap my... You obviously get you get two jerseys when you play an international game and get your playing jersey and then you get a replica to swap or keep and you can swap your playing one. And I think the only jersey that I swapped so far, I think I swapped two and and one of them was Colsey with the All Blacks. So that's probably when I look back on my career, some memorabilia that I probably missed out on, which I'd be gutted about. And at the time, you know, things were happening so fast I didn't really know what the protocol was and stuff like that. But I certainly think that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not getting a bit of memorabilia along the way and um, who knows i might be able to get my hands on some but yeah that's, that's probably the big another theme much but it will be when i finish playing rugby <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a that's a good career if that's your biggest regret yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay best story from living with Reggie goods
1: best story jeez there's, there's a few I, I, I have to try and keep them PG obviously i don't know not really a good story but i remember the first weekend we moved into the house and I hope the landlord doesn't listen to this, but we fixed them anyway. Um, we had um, Scott Fugis all his stag do, I'm pretty sure. Like one of our, the house was one of the stops and they pretty much forced us into it because we were the young guys <laughs> in the canes, and we're like pre-season we're like, we don't want to like say no and say, yeah, yeah, come along, come along. And the house basically got crashed. But I remember we ordered a whole lot of pizza and we were all in the lounge and they having a few drinks and, someone said the pizza's here because they could smell it and we're like what well, the pizza's here and we searched around the house and and i went to go knock on reggie's door and the door was locked couldn't get in and i looked through the window from the other side and me sitting in his room with all these pizzas <laughs> in his room just smashing them back so we're like this so we ended up smashing down his door breaking the hinges off making a right mess just to get into his room and um and smash some pizza, but I don't know, it sounds like a shit story now that I tell it. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's Reggie sitting there eating pizza, I think that's what makes it funny. <laughs> smash the door down. Jeez, you guys must have been hungry. We are hungry, <laughs> <way>. <laughs> oh, Yeah, great. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stories, mate, I could tell, but uh we'll keep them behind closed doors though.
0: And yeah, we got we've got another one about Reggie. Please tell us about Reggie and the sausages.
1: Oh uh, Avid Barbecue. If you knew Reggie, he loves his braise, loves his braise, loves his his braise salt, loves his budovar sausage, the big circle one. He knows what to do with those big circle ones. (laughs) What Um, does he do? He just cooks them real well, (laughs) cooks them real well. Um, Yeah, so we just used to love putting sausages on the barbie and actually, I remember, yeah, one time we just had a whole lot of um, leftover food from one of the Canes barbecues and managed to chuck that home and reheat it and and smash it back. So I think Reggie had... Really loved the sausage. (laughs) That's why we ended up having sausages a lot.
0: (laughs) Okay. Good stuff. That's a good one. Um, Have you ever unexpectedly shat your pants while cleaning a rut?
1: It wasn't. It was recently. I didn't like going to a ruck, but I got tackled pretty bad. Honestly, I didn't get tackled. I went to tackle and the guy sort of dipped and his shoulder went right into my gut. And, um, And I, yeah, I lost a little bit of control and, like, it's just, like... I was like, nah, surely nothing. I was like, oh, no, I think I've done something here. Oh, jeez. And then they... Basically, the other team scored straight away and I was basically off the pitch. I ran straight into the shed, didn't say anything to anybody, Um, and then five minutes later, I was back out with a fresh pair of pants on. So, um... (laughs) Let's just leave the detail out of it, but we've all been there like surely surely there's not not one single person hasn't happened <laughs>
0: so did they play with 14 men while you were getting changed
1: Nah. so no one knew why i ran off right and um and the manager obviously said um as i ran off i sort of whispered in his ear what what was going on um and he sort of got the message on to the guys on the says, take your time walk back to halfway and so by the time they scored the guy took the kick and they walked back halfway as I was running back out of the tunnel. You play at Sandy Parker. Eh?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when you're running out like the halfway, yeah, basically like any team really, running out and just as I'm kicking off, I like ran onto the field and joined the place. I didn't oh, know yeah. actually miss, miss oh, anything. Sorry. It was kind of um, mysterious. But there it is. It's out there. Not that it probably wasn't out there before. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff.
0: Okay, what was it about the 2016 title-winning team that maybe wasn't there in other years?
1: I don't know. I think, uh, I think it was that belief that we could win it, the belief, like the outright belief that we knew if we played well. we'd. You know, I think that was the year eh, that we were quarterfinals, final. The other teams didn't score a try. So I think, and I think it was the year... Canterbury was the last game, wasn't it, of the round? And we needed to beat them with five, get a bonus point try, didn't we? Yeah. So it sort of all sort of flowed on. I think it was um, you know, those the last few rounds, that Crusaders game, that was like one of the greatest wins against Canterbury that I've ever I've ever had. And then quarter final, semi final. I think there was just there was no doubt in our mind that we could we could lift the trophy. So I think it was just belief, you know.
0: Nice. Okay. Ask him about naked Martin.
1: Make it Martin <laughs> is this your mate, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's the guy? This is from cool i
1: I just heard a story, a rumor that there's a bloke that you basically send him some money, and um he says your message, but he's fully news. Um, <laughs> he's this old bald creepy looking dude, and he's like he says this real weird message and basically shakes himself around. <laughs> Not that I've paid him, I've only I've only heard about it. You've definitely <laughs> paid him. I definitely haven't paid. Life him. after footy Maked for you, naked <laughs> Martin. Oh man, uh, there's some th- there's some interesting things you find out over here in the UK.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Next question: How's the accent?
1: Um, I think I sound the same, and. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jimmy? Oh, you're very, you're very
0: proper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lou reckons we will be talking in a sentence, and then all of a sudden I'll have like a real high, like finish, oh, okay. like a question, but it's not a question. um And she reckons that I've picked up a little twang, but True. like a few sayings, like in it and stuff like that. I suppose. But apart from that, I don't know. I reckon I sound the same in my own head. Yeah, so no, you do. To be maybe fair. I'm completely off the
0: apron. <laughs> okay. What's your opinion on the Sam Simmons situation?
1: Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, um, he was on that. He was on the summer tour when I was in South Africa. Um, he didn't play. Uh, I think Billy was playing, and he broke Billy broke his arm. Maybe he played the last piece. I can't quite remember. I think because Nathan Hughes was there as well. Um, I don't know, mate. I think um, I obviously think he's been playing really good rugby, and I think he's. One of the top try scorers of this this the season. He um, well, seems like he's scoring tries every week. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's hard to ignore somebody who's playing pretty well week in and week out. And I suppose it goes back to that conversation. What I said about coaches and that some coaches just just see the the one thing that you're doing wrong or the one thing that you want they want you to work on constantly and. And maybe that might be the reason why he's not getting a look and I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, I feel for the dude because he's playing some some good rugby and sometimes you do wonder what a what players need to do um, to get into a team. But at the same time, like I know how valuable um, when, when you know, all guys are playing well, who's in that England squad, being in amongst training against them and stuff, I know how valuable they are to the group, like even Apollo, yeah, Curry, Mark Wilson, um, even Sam Underhill and that while they're there. So... It's a tough one, mate. It's yeah. tough when you got so many fit guys. It's like it's like anything. There's always got to be a couple of guys that are gonna to have to miss out.
0: That is good insight from the English number six. <laughs> Great stuff. Okay, okay. Why does he always
1: pass boys on the piss? Yes, I guess I guess I know who this is from. I don't always pass boys on the on the piss. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's weird, eh? Like. I think when a couple of lads have a few drinks, um, and I noticed that over here as well, like a couple of guys, like you might kiss a bloke or something like that, like just harmless. I don't know. I suppose it's definitely coldy. I know one hundred percent it's coldy.
0: Um, <laughs> Did you ever I don't know. Did
1: you ever get him? I'm pretty sure I tried so many times, and it's lucky. <laughs> As soon as you like try, he just puts his fist up like <laughs> the old coastie comes down and he's just ready to go, ready to rumble. Um,
0: it's a shame you didn't get to play with know. Chase because he, he's that guy at the moment. You and Chase Tear Tear had a field
1: day. Is he a kisser on the <laughs> pit, I'm not. Look, I'm not the one who instigates his account. I'm just saying a couple of times I've been tagged on the way out or something like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good stuff.
0: Okay. What motivates you?
1: Geez, it's obviously changed a little bit recently. Um, What motivates me is probably at the moment being a good role model for my my family um, on on a serious note there. And I guess the other side to it is is I feel like I've still got a lot to offer in the game, so it motivates me to try and stay at my best and and put my best foot forward and play the best rugby that I can because, I don't know, when you're playing your best rugby, you're enjoying it, aren't you? And Mm -hmm. Um, less of an emotional emotional roller coaster. Sometimes you think, why do you play this sport? Because you have some rubbish games, you play some good games, you lose, you win. Uh, but I definitely think what motivates me is to play really well and um, to be a good role model for my my family and my 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 daughter and my son and even my wife because I know, um, yeah, she's not able to do what she loves at the moment. So I'm I'm pretty lucky that um, I can do that. So try and yeah. Try and respect that by, by enjoying it and, and playing well. Jeez, that's good. I
0: love it when you get deep.
1: It sort of changes, isn't it? Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: good stuff.
1: I look at, It's because I'm looking at her camera as well. Like, this is sitting next to me. And I'm like, jeez, I'm a bastard bringing you all the way over here. <laughs> Not really. Okay.
0: Toughest opponent that you've come up against in your career?
1: Toughest. I mean, there's obviously a lot of tough players. Kino is probably definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, and I'd have to put uh, probably it's the best in in that category. Only probably because I've been, I reckon every time I've played him, and it's been a fair few, few times, he's either run straight over me or has absolutely bollocks me in a tackle or something like that. So, um, and he's massive, hard to tackle, massive bloke. So I'd probably say those two are definite, definitely up there.
0: Good choices. Okay, mm. who's your favourite player to play with?
1: It'd have to be one of the Barretts. It'd have to be. If I look back on my career, if I look at like pure talent, like probably Bodie's probably one of the one of the ones that just has that natural X factor. That he's the one guy on the team, really, and yourself, of course. Um, that you like, you think nothing's going to happen, then all of a sudden something happens, or you you're waiting for one player to sort of change the game, and it always seems to be the same person. So I definitely think playing with Bodie, like. He's probably one of those players.
0: How many understand? of the Barretts did you play with? Just the two. Brody and Didn't
1: manage Big Scott. Yeah, Brody and Geordie. What uh... about
0: Kane when he was age grade?
1: Was... Oh, I did. I played at uh, school. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Hurricane Schools with them. I obviously, played a lot against them for Taranaki and that. My bad, Kanos.
0: Kanos, one of the greats. Okay, last question. What are your chances of getting back into the English squad?
1: Um, look i'd like to say if you play well consistently and and have some really good games then um you know i'd like to think my chances would be pretty good obviously consistency playing well is massive but at the same time it's a big challenge because there's i don't know I'd pro- i could probably count 10 guys at the moment in the premiership that are playing great rugby in that back row space so um it'll be a tough sort of tough challenge but i'm always up for a good challenge and i'll, I'll try and Bring the bring the best out of myself, regardless if I knew I was going to make another international team or not. Um, so yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to be a part of it again, hundred percent, like anyone would. Um, I'll keep trying to knock on the door and see how far I can get. Oh
0: well, fingers crossed. I'm sure. I'm sure if you can stay fit, you'll you'll get back there. No yeah, that's worries, way yeah. Eh? yeah, that's it. But anyway, really appreciate you coming on the Wattle podcast, Brad. It's been awesome. I love playing with you throughout my time. We had some awesome times together i um, really looking forward to watching you carve it up for Wasps, and hopefully get back in that English jersey. And then after 40, looking forward to you coming back to Mapua, <laughs> settling in down the road, maybe finish off your career with the Mighty Marco. We will see. But really appreciate you coming on and giving up your time, mate.
1: Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. If you can save me a plot of land down there before prices hike too much, um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Thanks for having me, mate. appreciate it. Love, love your work too. Doing good stuff. Thanks, mate.